0: Welcome to season two of The Reflection. We started this series in March 2020 after the announcement of the lockdown and COVID-19 began to change the world.
1: For 20 weeks, academics, activists, and journalists joined us to discuss everything from the UK government's mishandling of the pandemic, the growth of conspiracies, Black Lives Matter, and what it was like to bear witness to the growth of existing local and global inequalities.
0: For this season, our guests will be reflecting on the political climate of the past year and we'll be talking to authors who have released books in 2020 concerning matters of race and class.
1: This is a trigger warning. This episode, at times, contains conversations and sensitive material that people may find difficult to listen to. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Reflection. Um, it is just me and Tiso in the studio. Um, we have oh, and also George. Obviously, sorry, George. <laughs> George has got an, George has got a noise. I said, well, George, I want you to come on the show and talk on the show. The listeners want to hear your voice. Like, do you want to come on the he, show? He has or no? got a voice.
0: He does speak. He does speak. He's okay, a real he person. He's a real person.
1: And he's now looking at me, piss, pissed off. Don't edit this out. He,
0: he, he's a real person.
1: <laughs> anyway, so. This is going to be a bit of a reflective episode about the fact that we are coming up to 20 years since 9-11. We do have a special spotlight episode that will be either before or after this episode comes out, which has got um, people with both lived experience, academic credentials and understand a lot more about how this moment or 2011 became such a significant point of entrenched embedded universalized islamophobia uh, uh, globally mm-hmm. obviously me and t so uh, we have a kind of a partial analysis of it but it's not necessarily it's more kind of anecdotal i think i'm just going to start off by saying t so mm. when 9 11 happened i was 11 was i 11 yeah no yeah i was always a 12 i was 12 i was born in 92 one one so i'm 11 yeah George just said I'm 14. We already told you listeners George cannot count. Um so I was 11 and I remember going to school. Do you know what? I'm Do you know what? The other the other thing that I remember yeah, really viscerally yes. is 7/7. Seven, seven. I think mm. I remember more that more than 9/11. But I was going I was walking to school. So um, when you walk to school um you go go to your friend's house, each friend's house on the way. I remember going to my first friend's house and all her family being sat in the lounge and just watching the planes go through uh, the towers. Like twin towers. I can I honestly, I remember it so, so well. Like just seeing like those images and then being at school and all the teachers having the TVs on, just watching. I would say that I think in more recent years, on the podcast, when I've been talking about my own lived experience of growing up and talking talking about racism and talking about class, etc., and gender, I think that one of the things that I've definitely come to t- like been trying to grapple with myself is how widespread and how embedded Islamophobia was where I lived in the West Midlands, and I don't think. I was a kid obviously but I just don't think I paid it enough attention and I don't think I had the kind of critical analysis that I have now like if you look back at what that must have been like for like muslim children like going to school like families like across the west in particular like how awful life must have been like it just makes me just it just makes me so sad and I just feel like I didn't quite understand what was happening because I was eleven, obviously. But I knew that there were just so many white people around me that were just vex, and it was just like a real. It was such a like we look at it now. It was such a watershed moment politically, wasn't yeah, it's, it? It's a
0: shock, right? Is it? Is a shock that I was twenty three when it happened. Were you? Yeah. Fucking hell, man! Like I said, you man was been out. You're grown. Huh? <laughs> I, was, I was out and about, so man was I was off watching TV because it's coming from a dentist. I'm I'm about and about in the streets, so I see my pals. So most of my pals were Muslim guys at the time. They they were trying to strike the balance. I remember at the time, like, not the jubilation that like, this has happened because obviously this is a bad thing that's happened, all these people died, but they were, the, the thing that was coming out from them was like, that's what America gets. As in, they've been bullying people all around the world where we're from for all this time. And someone, they, the analogy someone gave at the time was, it's like a bully getting punched in the nose. And and, I, and and so all all my white mates because obviously it's a mixed group they would get angry and get upset but they were trying to say no like we're upset because people died because there's Muslim people that died in there as well right but they're saying but America's been killing our people for this many years and so something was bound to happen that was the argument that was given at the time and
1: what do you remember so, do you what, where did you kind of sit like did you do you remember what you, so, were, no, think, you I, were just sort of. Try to piece together what happened
0: no and i i sat there and i could i could empathize with that kind of argument i could see the logic because I, I understand that so for example where my parents are from grenada america's gone there and invaded and changed the place so this country's gone around and it's spread all its might but nothing's ever happened to them in retaliation and you and it's always understanding when you're marginalized people can only push you so far until something happens back right there's like a cause and effect so 9 11 didn't just happen in a vacuum right there's 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 cause and effect to these things and i think it's for i guess my argument now is not an argument now but it's what what i can say now is maybe this is the start of the kind of the the kind of the, the kind of the backlash of, of against western civilization right so you're seeing this whole thing unravel since that point it has been an unraveling of stuff of whiteness or of, of masculinity all these things have been or against the against the very notion of the Enlightenment, people are questioning, and pushing back, and the West has felt uncomfortable. So, uh, Bin Laden and and, uh, and the, the misadventure in Afghanistan was all because trying to try and exercise Western might. Now, if we look back at that time, if you know
1: we, that pi- it reminds me of that picture of Obama like sat like with his yeah. like stroking his chin, yeah, like yeah, yeah. watching as they find um, Bin Laden. It's quite. But ironically, Picture.
0: before the invasion, the Taliban offered Bin Laden to America to go to the Hague, right? And Bush turned it down, and said no, we'd rather invade <laughs> rather than go to the Hague, right? So this, this, this these, these are things that actually happened. But like I said, given to be our 20 years later, we've seen the unraveling of Western values, and you can see this in how the, the West are pushed back. They're scared of their civilization. Islamophobia has grown because they've defined themselves as the other more so now, right? So there's been this constant unraveling and maybe 9-11, maybe we'll look back in 50 years' time and say this was the start. Mm -hmm. That was the start because ever since then, you've seen the West being unsure of themselves and their place in the world. Given the rise of China, Russia and all those things that's happened all at the same time, the West seems unsure of themselves. Which, given their position for most of the 20th century, that's unheard of, right? But for the first time, the West seems unsure of themselves and this has only got worse and you can see in the anxieties and again, I, Nikki's works quite good on, on anxieties, you can see that in the anxieties of the West man, anxieties around masculinity, anxieties around whiteness, anxieties around, around Islam, like what are they coming to invade us? No we're not. Most people, most victims of terrorist attacks happen to be Muslims themselves in other countries. 1% happens here. But the anxiety is there. The anxiety being swamped by loads of immigrants coming over from different countries. We take less refugees, right? But that anxiety is still there. Given, given we know the reality and this maybe 9-11 was the start of that, that anxiety. That shit. Mm. They done the unthinkable, right? These, a group of people done the unthinkable. Bloody the nose of the superpower. At that time, remember we we're not too far from Francis Fukuyama's argument of the end of history and the last man. So, America represents a neoliberal heaven, right? It it had won, it won everything. There's it's the only superpower left. It had masses of so uh, um so um, of cultural influence, massive political influence. They spend seven hundred billion on arms, right? But yet, this small group of people had turned this shit upside down. And since then, since then it's been a shit show, right? It's been a shit show. They've invaded, invaded Afghanistan, nothing's happened. Evaded Iraq, the shift has not been what you would think it's been. Given that this was the only superpower, and for the last century and a half, it, was, it could do what it wanted. It, it fought many proxy wars, right? But in the 20th century, things have changed, man. That anxiety has felt through, and then you're seeing things like the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, questioning, pushing back, uh, post colonial studies being viewed in a different way. Being, being being made mainstream, a whole a whole generation of people below that are questioning this this edifice, man. And I'm saying like, what the fuck, man? Can you imagine if you're people in power, you're like this, what the fuck? Brexit, right? Brexit is the only anomaly in there, right? It seems to go counter to the way things are going. But we'll see what happens now, boy. Now you're feeling it. Four years later, we'll see where you end up now, man. You're on the wrong side of history. I told you then. I told you in 2016. I'm telling you again in 2021.
1: Coming back to the sort of early noughties, tea, mm. um, and I'm going to go back to, yeah, Schoolgirl Chantel. Mm. One of the things that's really kind of visceral, are uh, visceral memories for me, and I think Ron Ware's um, writing on this stuff is really, really helpful in terms of thinking about nation and militarisation and the Iraq war. Mm. So Schoolgirl Chantel, one of the things that I remember really well is how organize the army recruitment became within the west midlands so i've spoken i think i've spoken about this before um on the show but i was in like obviously bottom set for everything at school not obviously but i was um, <laughs> i was in bottom set for everything at school and the army used to come into our um our, into our classes and try and recruit us <laughs> Um, and this is just obviously post sixteen, but they were getting us like trying to get us to come to the cadets, and there was one point where I was like, yes. maybe I'll go into army, maybe I'll go and go and fight in the in the war. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Because I didn't, yeah. I like wasn't positioned. I was labelled in a certain way at school, which meant I didn't think that I could have there was any hope for me educationally. But that's a really big memory for me is that the army coming into school a lot, like at least once a term, if not more. The other thing I remember is a lot of people at school, I was in high school, going to Iraq. um, And uh, um, someone that I went to school with died as well in Iraq. And it's like, a obviously that's sad, um, but it's a kind of visceral, like localised memory I have of this kind of post-2001 Britain. And then the other thing, again, I've said before, just trying to remember more, being more critical about is how widespread like racist name-calling and is Islamophobic name-calling became. And I'm not saying that it wasn't around before 9-11, but like it was really, really, it was really mainstream. Like yeah. it was really mainstream. And then obviously you then get, this wasn't when I was at school, but like you get Prevent comes in. Yeah,
0: to pathologize the other, right? So obviously this discourse has always existed in especially post Enlightenment, of the idea of the other. So the West has always defined itself as the West and its it's other is the East, right? And so this pathology to kind of define what this new person was, this radicalised terrorist, where they come from and this whole agenda, it's mad how it almost was, obviously these things, like I said, they're not created in a vacuum, they've always existed in different bits, but they've kind of, I don't know how they did it, man, like, because, up until oh, that
1: they used all the apparatus yeah. they use all the site apparatus they used education mm-hmm. they use the media they used government
0: because like i said do you remember when i when i first did my phd and I, and I put the idea that white white young white men are being radicalized and no one really paid attention to me because mm-hmm. m- all the literature was focused on uh asian men from especially so i so in my flats where i grew up prevent would come into the estates and so you'd see like them taking young men away oh, and it's a sad. madness right so,
1: I think it's really important just to sort of caveat the things that me and Tisa were talking about is that obviously, like our Muslim brothers and sisters are not um, have not been passive victims in in all this stuff that's been happening yeah, since yeah. two thousand one. There's been so much amazing resistance and alternate like storytelling that centres the voices of Muslims across the world and obviously locally in Britain where we are. Like, I don't want I'm obviously talking about. From my point of view, I'm talking about growing up and 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 kind of remembering how mainstream it was. But equally, like there's always resistance, and we have we don't want to ever position those that have been on the margins of people that just take this shit. Like they don't. Like people fucking tell people to go fuck themselves, which is important. It's Mm. important to always remember about struggle and resistance.
0: But again, 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 we're not. This is not a fully a full academic exposition of it as well. So this is again, it, it touches on recollection anecdotal stuff and just sometimes how we felt at that time man Watch, I think Shantel is, is needed but it was just a weird time man like I said dude, when I sit there think back I grew up in a predominantly Muslim area the, their response and like I said dude, they weren't dancing in the street like no. it wasn't like that what they was was a conflict in them like they want to say to them yeah that America not deserved it but that's what happened but equally it's a sad thing they were sad for people that died right being in the space being in a country that was they couldn't really vocal about how they felt because you're a marginalized community speaking bad about western people and like uh, that's how you're it was interpreted forced,
1: you're just kind of forced into silence yeah
0: so it was hard for, to, to voice that point of view at that time it was a madness man like so
1: and let me tell you that was not happening in the west midlands suburbs <laughs>
0: <laughs> i remember i was working for a car company car rental company at the time so there was a lot of asian guys um Bengalish boys working with us at the time and most of the management were all white english Right. so you can imagine the, fight. the, the, the argument so th- obviously a big a, this big event happens so people are talking about it and not really working but so the white management essentially took the position like it's been this attack on us it's attack on western modernity this that and the other and th- the asian guys were saying but you've but, been attacking us but, exactly but neither position is y- you can review in isolation there has to be some kind of it's, they're relational, right? So they were never going to agree because they could never. They weren't seeing a relational point of it. They were saying this has happened to us, but this has happened to us, and so it became of like, but this has happened to us all the time, and that kind of argument. It was. Mm. It's, it's interesting to see that play out, and I don't know. And I
1: guess. I guess just to sort of summarize the thing mm. that's really important, I think, to add to our kind of recollective anecdotal conversation about twenty years since nine eleven is that yes these things are relational but we have to always center power yeah. so who continues to be the most marginalized who continues to have their lives torn apart who continues to have to have their religion their ways of life stigmatized and pathologized it is it, it, it is our muslim brothers and sisters yeah yeah no I it's think, not the white guys in the office i think
0: i think chantel's uh, bang on 100% it's about power, man. You have to center power in your relations. So 20 years later, where does the West see itself, right? What does it see itself as it what's What's its role 20 years later? In 2001, it saw itself as the world's policeman.
1: I think that's such an important point, T. And yeah, I just hope that we can get, like, things will get better.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't I, know. It's not,
1: it's, not, it's not on the horizon, but...
0: But I'd, I'd maybe, maybe the West, like I said, because it's a whole other point about Western modernity and how it perceives itself, how it sees itself. Mm-hmm. There was a kind of um, a reassessment of what it means to be Western, right? Definitely. So are they they can't go around civilizing places anymore. No. So what's their role? What
1: is their role?
0: What is their role, given that they defined themselves by that for such a long time? Even though, quickly, the best contrast would be China's role. China doing the same thing, colonization, but they're being pragmatic about it. So they go and say, "I'll build your road," but you know you're going to be in my debt, and both countries know what the score is, right? Mm. And so the West are trying to we West are trying to say, what is our position then because they've taken that role. So West's response is, "We can offer you that, but we're going to be transparent." They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Oh,
1: on that note, Tiso. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you so much for staying with us. Sending love and solidarity as always, always. Our Muslim brothers and sisters. And we'll see you again next week. Laters. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the T's and C's with Tisa and Chantel. You can now continue the conversation with us on Twitter and Instagram.